This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. On a lighter note, I have proven that my timing of the market is very bad. So I never want to comment on the timing of the market. It will be good or bad. Since it's fundamentally a profitable business, if you build a great product and a great service, consumers will come to you. as you continue to grow your scale and improve your services and get this operating leverage i think the business continues to demonstrate inherent strength basically i think there are so many rumors in the market ki hum thyrocare bech rahe hain ye bech rahe bhai nahi bech rahe humko ajm mein bhi humne bola tha hum kuch nahi bech rahe hain if there's to be one headline please let it be that we are not selling thyrocare that was siddharth shah the chief executive officer of healthcare company farmeasy accepting misjudgments highlighting renewed plans for the company's future and also denying any plans of selling off the crown jewel of the company and while his statement about being bad at timing the market was on a lighter note the harsh truth is that the market downturn has left the company battered this time last year farmeasy's parent company api holdings which also runs diagnostics business thyrocare had filed draft papers for a 6250 crore rupees ipo the company was on a strong footing as it had closed a pre ipo funding round at a 5.6 billion dollar valuation one year down the scenario has completely changed as money flew from markets they slumped and farmeasy was among many to scrap its ipo plans Since then it has been raising debt to repay debt and asking its shareholders to put in more and more money to stay afloat. So what went wrong for Farmeasy and where does it go from here? In today's episode we bring to you a candid conversation with Farmeasy CEO Siddharth Shah who talks about how he plans to take his company to profitability, stave off competition and survive the funding winter. We also have in-house guests Kiran Somvanshi who closely tracks the pharma sector and Arijit Barman the resident deal tracker to diagnose the many problems ailing farmers. It's the 11th of November and I'm your host Mukta Varyar and you're listening to our episode Farmers's Bitter Pill on the Morning Tree. In the current market scenario several startups have kept their IPOs on hold and are focusing on profitability Farmeasy is one such company founded in 2015 by five friends from Mumbai's Ghatkopar suburbs the e-pharmacy grew quickly on the back of acquisitions to surpass more than 1 billion dollars in gross merchandise value or GMV in FY21 The pandemic gave a massive boost to Farmeasy and other e-pharmacy platforms And as demand for diagnostic tests soared, Farmeasy went ahead and bought Thyrocare last year. It also saw its valuation jump 4x within a span of just seven months during the easy money party that startups enjoyed last year. But that didn't last too long, as the funding winter set in. Farmeasy caught a cold. It was also saddled with debt. Now, with its IPO plans and cold storage. Farmeasy is looking to break even on an operating level and Siddharth accepts that the company missed the IPO window. So on a lighter note I have proven that my timing of the market is very bad so I never want to comment on the timing of the market kab acha hoga kab bura hoga look I think 
Indian equity investors, especially and retail investors, want to reward a company that has broken even. We've heard the market loud and clear, and we understand that. But how does FarmEasy look to achieve operational profitability without hampering growth? So I think there are four fundamental changes which are happening. First, like we had said in 2020, 100% of our revenue was coming only by the sale of products. Today, 12% of our revenue comes by giving services. As a result of that, our contribution margin has gone up from 2% to north of 6% right now. Step number two, we've clearly read out a scenario where in our best cities on products itself, we are making a 4% margin. This 6% overall contribution margin is a mixture of average 2% on products and 4% on services. But in my best cities, 4% is coming from products. And if the service mix is the same, then you're actually looking at an 8% margin in your best cities. Mm. We are given an example of how our supply chain has gone up from 35 cities to 75 cities over the last one year. And we are expanding it to 125 cities over the next, call it 12 months or so. So we are very clear in terms of our growth investment. So the, the second point being getting our best in class unit economics and products which we have today in leading cities because of our density, control of infrastructure, and more importantly, capacity utilization. The third thing is what we've already again spoken about is our significant focus on improving our share of private labels and our share of diagnostics and our share of surgery care. Our understanding is that on an ARR basis, by December, our private label business will actually cross 100 crore rupees. And last but not the least, As you look at all of these three, right, there is a significant operating efficiency which is coming about, right? We've already spoken about our operating leverage. You would have seen even through our financials that our fixed cost, our employee cost, our our cost of G&A are all more or less fixed. In fact, as you consolidate and as you grow, these come down. If you look at our adjusted EBITDA burn number last year, it is about 850, 860 crores, which is what is already disclosed as part of our performance of financial. We've already spoken as a part of our AGM that in the first six months of this year, we brought down our burn by more than half. We've significantly improved. And in all of these times, you would have never heard that, you know, somebody saying, oh, Farmeezy ka service bigger gaya, ki Farmeezy ne band kar diya. Oh, it's, it's dwindled down, right? We are talking of growing and we are talking of doing this. And it is just, like I said, back to the basics. It's fundamentally a profitable business. As you continue to grow your scale and improve your services and get this operating leverage, I think the business continues to demonstrate inherent strength, basically. We are not coming to the market saying, oh, I'll become EBITDA break-even, not grow and not put any money in growth, right? We are still putting money in growth. We are still growing, right? So it's it's not like a tick in the box. The idea is to become EBITDA break-even in a genuinely sensible and a sustainable manner. I decided to analyze this with my colleague, Kiran Somanshi. So Kiran, we heard Siddharth speak about how FarmEasy is on a path to profitability and that it will not come at the cost of growth. And in fact, he says that it is fundamentally a profitable business. Do you agree? Do you think this profitability can be sustainable? So Mukda, as far as pharmacy is concerned, like if I have to give a perspective in terms of numbers, for financial year 2022, for a top line of, you know, 5,700 odd crore rupees, Farm Easy made a net loss of nearly 4,000 odd crores. Even at the operational level, the company has an adjusted EBITDA margin of minus 13.6%. Now, when you compare this with other pharmacy players, especially the listed one, like MedPlus, so that's one of the largest omni-channel pharmacy player, MedPlus earned an EBITDA margin of 4.6% for 
from a top line of 3,700 or crore rupees for the same period. And for the country's largest healthcare player, Apollo, the EBITDA margin from its pharmacy and digital health business was at 7.6%, earned from revenues of 5,300 odd crore rupees. In fact, Apollo has set a target for its omni-channel digital healthcare platform, that is Apollo 24-7, to achieve $3 billion of GMV, that is gross merchandise value, in the next three years. So we see that it's easier for an established profitable player to become digital rather than for a loss-making digital startup to acquire physical footprint through organic or inorganic expansion. So profitability isn't easy. And an equally big challenge is raising capital. FarmEasy was left with a bitter pill to swallow when it came to raising funds this year. The company was looking to raise over 6,000 crore rupees through an IPO, mainly to pay off debt of 2,000 crore rupees to Kotak Bank, which it had taken for its acquisition of diagnostics company Thyrocare. When the IPO fell through, Siddharth and his team approached multiple investors to raise equity capital, but they didn't get the valuation they were looking for. The company then took capital from Goldman Sachs that was debt plus equity structure. Is FarmEasy going down the spiral of a debt trap? The CEO doesn't think so. The intent from our end was always to raise capital from equity in the form of our IPO and pay down the money. Now, when IPO is not happening, we didn't want to be in a situation where we default on any one of our obligation, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, credibility is built not in good times, but in bad times. If you look at it the other way, we've regained our credibility, that money that was due to somebody in September, you repaid that in in June, right? You actually repaid somebody three months before time. Now, we could have, like I said, we could have stretched it till the last and literally waited till the very last day and say, let's see what happens, right? I don't think that way credibility is built. Second thing, water money we raised from Goldman has two parts, right? There is a part which is a pure, pure debt. And there is a part which is like a preference equity, right? And again, we had spoken about this as a part of our DRHP. I can tell you that this capital, uh, I know there is a lot of speculation that we borrowed at some exorbitant rates. I can tell you it's nowhere close to kind of numbers that people are speculating. There is a component of the investment, like I said, which is a preference equity where we've actually offered them an opportunity where there is some kind of an equity kicker, right? If it goes there, but in terms of the debt component, it is actually extremely low, right? So we, to put it the other way, we actually now come to a structure where something which was a pure debt is now a combination of equity plus debt, right? And therefore the coupon and the debt obligation is significantly better than, you know, what is being speculated. I wanted to ask my colleague Arijit about PharmEasy's funding troubles. Arijit, is PharmEasy getting into a debt trap? If you have to take debt to repay another debt, it's beginning of a debt trap, right? And mind you, Goldman Sachs is coming in at a very high cost. Firstly, it's debt which is structured. B, it has enormous amount of interest rates. And why did they take the debt from Kotak in the first place? They took the debt to acquire Thyrocare. So you take loans, you take debt to buy another company, then you can't repay the debt, you take another debt to repay that. Interestingly, as part of the contract with Goldman, there is a clause which says the existing investors 
will also put in more money. 70 million ballpark. So now, when they failed to raise money from external investors, they had to do a rights issue. And the day they bought Thyrocare, I knew it was trouble. Why? Because look at the valuation. They bought Thyrocare at 40x operating profit. It was one of the most expensive acquisition at that point in time. And what did that lead to? API Holdings, which is the parent of FarmEasy, their net debt to equity ratio as on March 2020 before the FarmEasy acquisition was 83% already. Now, the net debt to equity ratio dropped to roughly 13%. That's because there was an equity infusion that happened and it dropped even further to 5.3%. But it did not account for the additional debt financing that came on board because of the acquisition of Thyrocare and then back-to-back Actimed. So therefore, the company is desperate, what I believe, to minimize cash burn and focus on profitability. Even though the sector is growing, the e-pharmacy market is growing at a robust 21% plus CAGR, but individual companies, unless you have an unending supply of cash or capital, it's going to be very, very, very tough. Yes, absolutely. This has definitely been a tough year for players like Farmeasy as capital has been hard to come by. Yeah. And of course, there were a lot of talks uh, that they've had with VCs over the last few months, but there was a clear indication of a down round. Mm-hmm. Now, you have tracked and covered these discussions over recent months, the kind of investors they were speaking to, etc. So what, according to you, was the valuation mismatch? Oh, it was massive. People were not even interested to come in at a valuation which was slashed by half. They did a five and a half billion pre-IPO around last year, right? IPO got shelved. Even at two, two and a half billion, 2.7 billion mark, they were struggling to raise money and they were, they were unsuccessful. Look at their cap table. There are already marquee names. There is NASPERS or Process, which is a, the largest shareholder, if I'm not mistaken. There is Tamasek. There's TPG, TPG Growth to be specific. And there is ADQ from Abu Dhabi. So there is already a very marquee, prestigious cap table existing. Often what happens is that if you have such names in the league table, a year back, just by FOMO, others would join the bandwagon. Those days are gone, period. So they went to players who are far more mature or, you know, who invest across the spectrum. So they went to KKR, someone who invests in mature companies, buyouts, leverage buyouts, and even early stage companies. They failed. They spoke to the Canadians, which is CPP Investment. They're a pension fund. The guys who are into buy, in Baiju's and several other startups failed. They went to Adia because their sister concern, ADQ, were there, didn't work out. So everybody said the same thing. Forget about the valuation that you originally envisaged. Even at 50% of that value, I don't call it a down round. I call it bloodshed. People were not buying into the story. 
And that's the reality of today. Show me the money, show us the profits, only then would we be keen. But profitability isn't easy in a segment that is seeing increasing competition. FarmEasy now has competition in the Reliance Group and the Tata Group, which bought e-pharmacy players, NetMeds and 1MG respectively. E-commerce majors such as Amazon and Flipkart have also entered the fray. In fact, during the festive sales, recently Flipkart offered aggressive discounts on medicines. Does such deep-pocketed competition mean more trouble for PharmEasy? We are not competing with Tata's and Reliance, right? I think you guys are being very, very hum- uh, very, very generous saying that we are competing. I think we are, they are all legends and we are still a very young company. But all things aside, I think most importantly, look, the it's again, in my view, unfair to compare us with them or them with us just because it's very, very apples to oranges. I'll just give an example. Today, a Flipkart has already acquired 100 million customers, right? They are cross-selling them medicines. Their CAC on that customer is zero, as an example. But they may have to invest in supply chain. If we are spending X amount of money on acquiring a retailer, as an example, right? Now, that same retailer is my partner for buying medicines to sell to his customers. That same retailer is working as a partner on selling medicines on pharmacy. And that same retailer is also using my private label. Now, where will I say, sir, where have I made money? Have I made money in A or B or C? Or a consumer is on the platform. You bought a medicine. But that same customer is now using diagnostics, right? Should I say that I made money on diagnostics or I made on pharma? Because the customer is the same. And that is the case with all platforms, not just our platform. It is with every platform, right? And that is why platforms value gets created saying that once you have this flywheel, it continues to become better and better and better. Our network effect is very different that if you come to me, oh, you're a retailer, you're a doctor, you're a hospital, you're a consumer, you're with me. You need diagnostics, you need consultation, you need medicines, you need private level, you're with me. Therefore, the only way that we continue to look at the market is, is there enough room for everybody to continue to survive and thrive, right? You come to that scenario when they'll say, oh, you, I'm cutting into them and they're cutting into me and somebody else cutting into them. Everybody put together is also not 10% of the market. Kiran, how do you see the competitive landscape in the e-pharmacy as well as the diagnostic space? Because today we are seeing the likes of the Reliance, the Tatas and even Flipkart, Amazon all getting into the e-pharmacy space. And of course, in the diagnostic space, I mean, that seems to be getting very attractive. You know, we've seen the likes of Lupin, Medplus, Torrent Pharma, all uh, announcing plans over the last year to get into diagnostics. So how do you see this whole competitive landscape here? Basically, for an integrated player like PharmEasy, there is competition coming from all fronts and across its businesses. So right from the traditional existing players to the business houses like Reliance, Tata's that, that have entered into healthcare. And also the startups that are disrupting the concept of, you know, low-cost medicines. Other set of group has which has come in into this pharmacy space is players like Generic Aadhaar, Dawa Dost, Generico, which is now Zeno Health, Dawa India. So these are the players you would have heard that they have set up chains, pharmacy chains selling medicines which are generics and not the branded ones and which are 50 to 80% cheaper than the branded ones. So they cater to a different need altogether, the whole need of affordability and accessibility. 
So that is a different set of players which have come in and they are both online and offline. So that is again something which is happening in the pharmacy space. Now, if you look at the diagnostic space, as you mentioned, like, you know, several new players have made their foray in the past two years, precisely, right from the pharma companies like Lupin, Torrent Pharma, Mankind Pharma, Reliance Life Sciences, to hospitals. So hospitals were always there in diagnostics, but they never probably looked at it as an important aspect of their business. But now they are beefing up their diagnostic divisions. So you have Apollo, you have Esther Healthcare, all of these hospital players also beefing up their diagnostics. And besides them, we already had pure play diagnostics players like Lalpath Labs, Metropolis, Suburban Diagnostics and SRL Diagnostics. So these players were existing diagnostics players. In the last two years, they have also kind of risen to the situation and become more and more, uh, you know, competitive. Many of these players have acquired smaller unorganized players to kind of add on to their scale. So diagnostics have undergone a huge change in the last two years, especially when we saw COVID testing becoming a big thing for them. So Kiran, what has changed post the pandemic? What has happened is after the whole pandemic thing, now again, everything has come down back to the realistic pre-COVID levels. So be it pharmacies, be it diagnostic players, they have seen a kind of, so to say, rationalization or I should say normalization in their numbers post-COVID or post the pandemic because the exceptional growth of two years could not be kind of maintained. Now, if you look at MedPlus uh, share price, it has halved since the stock got listed in December last year. Same is the case with Thyrocare stock price. It has declined by more than half since uh, June last year when PharmEasy acquired it. So the pandemic premium commanded by all these businesses has evaporated. And now these businesses are trading at the realistic valuations. So, you know, had there been a moat or had there been a strong, uh, really a strong uh, advantage of, you know, PharmEasy had over others, we wouldn't have seen this uh, kind of depreciation in valuations as far as care or any other particular part or aspect of business of PharmEasy is concerned. The diagnostic space is seeing frenzied activity. For PharmEasy's parent company, API Holdings, diagnostics was just 10% of revenue as of last year. With a push towards mass consumer diagnostics post the Thyrocare acquisition, Siddharth Shah believes that the consumer diagnostics business will in three years surpass the revenue that listed arm Thyrocare built on its business-to-business model over three decades. Obviously, our consumer diagnostics business, you would have all seen, right? I mean, you can open your app right now and check, right? In 60 to 90 minutes, you can get somebody to come and do your test. If the person doesn't come, the test is free. This is something which is a unique proposition that nobody else, nobody else has across the country. And this has led to a massive success. And like we spoke in our AGM today, our slot adherence in this is 99%, which means in 99% of the cases, the person reaches your doorstep at the promised time and the NPS in this business went from a plus three or a plus four to plus 60. It is one of the fastest growing, profitable, on-time, excellent service diagnostics business in the country. We've all seen how much time Thyrocare took. They took 27 years to get to this revenue. My sense is maybe our consumer diagnostics business will surpass that revenue in less than three years. Right. So what Thyrocare took three decades to do, we'll do that in less than three years. And that's purely because of the kind of platform that we've built out. I think my point is very simple. If you build a great product and a great service, consumers will come to you. 
I don't want to go into specifics, but I can tell you that even in the short span of time, more than 50% of our revenue in consumer diagnosis, I'm not talking, is coming from repeat users. Siddharth also vehemently dismissed buzz that they were looking to sell Thyrocare. I think there are so many rumors in the market that we are selling Thyrocare, we are selling Thyrocare, Thyrocare, we are Thyrocare, Thyrocare, If there should be one headline, please let it be that we are not selling Thyrocare. So I turned to Arijit again. You know, there seems to be a lot of buzz about buyer interest for Thyrocare. Arijit, but of course, we've heard Siddharth dismissing the news about them looking, pharmacy looking to sell Thyrocare as rumors. But you know, there is usually no smoke without a fire is what we say in our sector. So, uh, you know, what do you have to say about this? No, I know it's a very tough choice. As things stand today, Thyrocare is the only profitable vertical within the larger Pharmacy empire, if we can call it that. The focus, as we know, in the last few months is on profitability. And the only vertical that is profitable, makes money, and has a bigger brand recognition, even in tier two, tier three cities, is Hyrocare. So anyone who wants to get into the space or consolidate further will sense that here is a company which has acquired a larger company, which is Thyrocare, and is finding it difficult to digest. So who are the companies who are already in this space? There's Tata's and they have 1MG. There's Reliance and they have NetMens. Amazon and Apollo, they've got into this space. Mind you, Adani is another group which has been waiting in the wings. But healthcare is one green Area green spot that they have identified as a new growth area. They are diversifying into newer and newer and newer and newer areas. And Thyrocare is an obvious target for anyone to get scale in one shot. But if you take out Thyrocare, for Siddharth, that would mean a serious hit on the consolidated profitability. Because profitability is the focus now for the company. And I'm sure Siddharth overemphasized on that point when he met you. Yes, he did. Profitability is definitely the North Star for Farmeasy. Having missed the IPO window and with fundraising turning into a struggle, the management has had to take some tough calls. The company, which has grown on the back of mergers and acquisitions, has now put a pause to it. Monthly burn rate has been halved. The company may also have to settle for a cut in valuation if it looks to raise external funding. But for now, the management says the company has a runway of more than 12 months. Tough times have brought the friends turned founders closer, Siddharth says. Well, it has also given a reality check to hundreds of founders like him. You can catch the entire interview with the Farm Easy CEO on ET Prime. That's it for today. This is your host Mukta Warrior on The Morning Brief, the official podcast of The Economic Times. This episode was produced by Vinay Joshi, sound designer Indranil Bhattacharjee, 
एग्जीक्यूटिव प्रोड्यूसर्स अनुप्रिया बहादुर अनिरपान चौधरी एंड अरिजीत परमे डू शेयर दिस एपिसोड इफ यू लाइक इट एंड लिसन टू न्यू एपिसोड्स ऑफ द मॉर्निंग ब्रीफ एवरी ट्यूसडे थर्सडे एंड फ्राइडे ऑन ऑल योर फेवरेट लिस्टिंग प्लेटफॉर्म्स Amazon Music, Ghana.com, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, the Economic Times website and of course our very own audio platform ETplay.